dynamic blessings. Welcome to another episode of How You Can Too with your host, your boy, Alvy, aka Danny, aka Mr. You Can Too. I have a powerful show in store for you today. I'm joined by none other than Coach Rob Matskin. Rob is an executive coach, a coach for entrepreneurs, and in today's episode, he shares so much of how his journey has impacted his work and how we can start to think about the importance of self-discovery, really knowing ourselves and creating alignment in both our business and our life so that we can live a fulfilling life. If you enjoy this episode, please, please, please share it with your family, friends, and loved ones. It would mean the world to me if you leave a five-star rating and a review of the show. And remember, my book, You Can Too, Life Lessons from My Mom's Untimely Death is out now. You can get that on Amazon. I appreciate everyone who's read it so far, all of the amazing feedback that has been provided. And if you haven't gotten your copy yet, get it today because I know it can help you in many different aspects of your life and with any challenges you're currently going through. I honor you. I appreciate you. I love you. And as always, you can too. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a phenomenal guest in the building today. I actually had the pleasure of meeting this gentleman a couple of months ago, but had the opportunity to connect with him in an intimate way this past Friday where he hosted somewhere around 27 people, amazing people at that, at his house on Maya, in Miami Beach this past Friday. It was absolutely incredible. And it really is a testament to the type of man that he is to be able to bring so many amazing people and more than that, being able to open up his home and to put his energy and love into food to serve us is just a testament to the type of man he is. I am joined by Rob Matskin, executive coach based in Miami, Florida, an overall phenomenal man. Rob, how you feeling, brother? I'm feeling great, man. Great to be here. Great. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, and you said we were getting intimate. I got nervous there for a second. But uh, no, thanks for coming on Friday. And uh, you know, it's great having you and you know your fiance. And uh, yeah, it's just wonderful getting purpose driven entrepreneurs together every Friday. It's uh, it's such a blast and a pleasure to have uh, people like you in my in my home. So thanks for coming. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. We enjoyed it so much. And something I, I think is so amazing is in Miami, seeing how many conscious entrepreneurs who are up to big things and have big hearts and also have great expertise in what they're doing are all starting to come together and share ideas and share resources, which I think is powerful and is really shifting the landscape of South Florida. My first question I want to ask you, Rob, I know you are into executive coaching entrepreneurial coaching and I know in my own experience as a coach how my life and the different things that I went through throughout different stages really allowed me to turn into the person that I am to do the work that I'm doing I'm curious what is it about your life story that got you to the point now doing the type of coaching work that you're doing wow that's uh that's a big question my friend um a lot you know, everything from, uh, I'll, I'll sum it up and we could go deep wherever you want, but basically everything from my dyslexia and how I was growing up to uh, conversations with my dad, who is an entrepreneur at age 10 on the dinner table, 
um, all the way through, you know, eight different startups over the last 20 years and, you know, the trials and tribulations of them, right? The successes and failures, the, the spaces of the roller coaster that I used to live on of emotion and success, right? You know, building companies, selling companies, killing companies, destroying companies, being miserable, <laughs> being, being happy, right? right? And all those spaces that we go through um, all brought me to a place uh, a few years ago where I really started, um, you know, just trying to make a difference for others and share my, my wisdom and my experiences of how to really not only be successful at business, but just make things easier. There's really an easy way and a hard way to conduct entrepreneurship and business. And um, really just sharing that with my clients, whether that's the strategic aspect of it, whether that's the, you know, it's even just choosing a direction before you even choose a strategy or it's the tactics that you use or the mindset that you have, but just going through all four spaces. Um, yeah, just sharing that. But yeah, I yeah. could dive into any of those areas just to answer your question. I kind of got, went off on a little sidetrack there. No, no. I mean, it's powerful. And it really just goes to show that very rarely is it just one thing that sparks a person into their path into where they currently are right for you there are many things that went into it from your dys dyslexia that you had growing up to your conversations with your dad as a young 10 year old boy at the dinner table to all of the tribal trial and tribulations that happen when you are selling and building you know eight different companies different startups within a 20 year period the first place i'd like to start is really talking about the challenges you have with dyslexia because I don't know how much the audience is familiar with dyslexia, but I would love if you can really tell us what were the biggest challenges of growing up with dyslexia and what allowed you to take that energy and transmute it into something that shows up powerfully in how you do your business today. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> I think, you know, first of all, dyslexia is, a neuroprocessing disorder, right? Um, a lot of people see it as, oh, you like process words backwards. Um, it's a lot more compli complex than that, but basically it displays us as uh, transposing numbers or anything like that. But um, without getting into the science behind it, what it, what the way it manifested itself for me was pretty severely. My mom told me recently she recognized something was wrong when I couldn't look, read my name or recognize my name even at age three. And I realized something was different uh, in first grade, the first day of first grade, the teacher, you know, calls on me and calls on two other people. And they, she goes, you know, AJ, Matt, take Rob aside and write down his homework for him. But everybody else wrote down their homework by themselves. And I realized in that moment, I'm different. Mm. Right? And what I made it mean was, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I should be shy. I should kind of be in the background and I wasn't really comfortable in school and school was extraordinarily difficult. Like I just didn't get it. Like I couldn't read till I was 10 years old. I had to go to a specific school that really broke reading down for me very differently. Uh, mm. There's an approach called Orton Gillingham, which is very phonetic on how we read. Um, but eventually, you know, I was able to, I was able to learn how to read. I, you know, was going to classes with six kids in the, in the class and I was very fortunate that I had a really good schooling that was specifically designed for me, right. but it was very, um, I think difficult socially, like, uh, and I made it mean like, uh, my ego, my identity was, you know, you gotta be small, you gotta be in the background, 
you're, again, you're not smart enough. You're not good enough. And then mm. how that manifested itself in business was, well, I got to overcompensate. I got to be arrogant and confident. I basically just had something to prove. Mm. Right. And so, you know, I'd walk around business, you know, getting into every me meeting, trying to prove because my thing in my head was I'm not smart enough. I don't deserve to be here. Mm. So I tried to prove to everybody else that I am smart enough and I do deserve to be here. But of course I did because they wouldn't be in the room with me if I didn't. Right. So all I came off with was just really arrogant and it really got in my way in many different areas. But um, I'm curious. I'm really curious about that, Rob, because that's such a great point of really how you felt you were overcompensating from basically not thinking you were good enough and having the self-doubt and it would actually show up in you overcompensating inside of the, you know, the boardroom and the business meetings, everything like mm -hmm. that. I'm curious, mm -hmm. what was like that tipping point or like an example, if you don't mind sharing of like what happened that really had you change and decide to do something different? Yeah. You know, it's a longer, uh, well, there was no specific moment in time that was like, oh, this is a catastrophic thing. I got to change. It was life wasn't really working. I wasn't mm -hmm. really happy. Business was really hard. The way I was communicating and interacting with people, like my startup was just, I was struggling. And, right. you know, one of my, my actual business part of the time enrolled me in a program called Landmark, mm -hmm. um, which is personal growth and development uh, work and started really uncovering what we just spoke about and really looking at that. Cause I was like, my attitude was, no, I'm not dyslexic anymore. I overcame dyslexia and I could read now and I'm fine. But in reality, I was still living in that trauma of being a child at age five, thinking he's not smart enough or good enough. Right. right? So now all of a sudden, like once I started unpacking that and making it mean nothing and really taking that out of my space and not allowing that path, to literally affect my present, to literally affect my future is the second that that started disappearing, right? Mm -hmm. So basically, long story short, getting into Landmark, starting to do a tremendous amount of personal growth and development work on myself. Within, you know, four months of doing that, I was able to grow the company, sell the company. Um, within six or eight months of that, I was able to start traveling because of the acquisition and ended up in Israel. And, uh, ended up starting two other companies out there with, you know, just because of everything, like my life just showed up in a different country. I was supposed to be there for four days on vacation. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, four years later, I found myself running two other companies there and bringing them to New York and, you know, wow. running the headquarters from there. So it was just a completely different, um, just a completely different world where I started unpacking that. But there was no one moment, but the moment that, to really specifically answer your question, the moment that changed everything was the moment that I enrolled myself into the Landmark Forum. Absolutely. I love that. And you know, I have a lot of friends who have done Landmark. Uh, I've done something a little different, but kind of in the same realm mm -hmm. of you know personal development and transformational leadership in uh, gratitude training. And mm -hmm. same thing mm -hmm. with me doing that type of program really gave me the opportunity to really one, see past my own blind spots, right? And see things that maybe other people noticed, but I couldn't notice for myself. And then it gave me the tools and the opportunities through exercises and experiences to actually go ahead and work on bettering that, right? And for everyone listening, you know, you'll notice a lot of the guests that I have on here, damn near everybody 
has started and is in their personal development journey. They really value personal growth and they see how personal growth is really a catalyst for business growth or any other growth within life. So if you're not currently in your journey or you're not really doing anything about that, like I would highly, highly, highly recommend well, looking into different ways to start that journey. Yeah. And let me uh, just speak to that. You know, we, you know, when we were at our, uh, we were at an event together last, last Tuesday and um, you know, I, I was actually speaking and one of the things I was actually going to speak about the struggle and what we were talking about now but I ended up digressing into really alignment. <clears throat> and I think right. one of the things when it looks at like personal growth and development that, you know, I'm realizing is I meet hundreds of people a, week, uh, a month these days. And mm -hmm. if somebody's not aligned, you know, and what I mean by that is somebody's like in their head thinking they're one thing and in their heart thinking they're another, mm -hmm. right? Then you, everybody sees it. Everybody knows that you're pretending to be somebody that you're not. Um, and I think the most powerful thing to connect with people to be a successful entrepreneur is really finding that alignment because it gives you this confidence and everything else. There's so many components to being successful, period, whether you're an entrepreneur or in business or, or whatever you're up to. Right. Um, but finding and really discovering yourself, working on yourself, whether it's whatever access, like you were saying, I think is the most powerful thing we could do. We, we, we teach ourselves to interact in a world of, you know, being educated scholars or, you know, educated, but we don't necessarily t teach ourselves how to interact with others or really how to interact with ourselves. A hundred percent. You know, and I think really doing that type of work and growth, it's something that none of us really, unless we were really fortunate to have really intuitive parents or parents that did this type of stuff, which I wasn't, I had amazing, I had amazing childhood, amazing parents, but, they don't, they didn't understand that or give that to me that um, until you do that type of work, it, it's just something that I think is, is, is missing. For sure. For sure. And it's a great point. It's something that came up for me just now as a conversation that my fiance and I had a while ago about how in business, there seems to be so much more value on hard <laughs> skills versus soft skills. Right. And that's kind of what we're talking mm -hmm. about here with the soft skills and how mm -hmm. important it is to actually understand how to interact with others, how to speak with others, how to have emotional intelligence, recognize our own emotions, recognize others. And it's so funny, the semantics that those are called soft skills and hard skills are, you know, can you do X? Can you do Y? Can you do Z? And it's just so funny that there's just this huge gap in between what's seen as important and what's not. And I don't know about you, Rob, but I feel like we're starting to see a shift now where people are seeing that the connections that people have within the workplace or within business is so important because a lot of people nowadays Absolutely. don't want to do business with someone they don't like or they don't want to work with someone that they don't like. Yeah, I'll go a, I'll go a thousand steps further and go a hard left on you, right, with hard skills versus soft skills. But, you know, <clears throat> we talk about gender gaps, we tell, and this is two powerful men talking about this, but it's, you know, we talk about gender gaps, talk about pay gaps, but, mm -hmm. you know, and it's, and it's really starting to correct itself, you know, depending who you speak with, but right. over the next 10 years with technology, we talk about hard skills being valuable in today's economy. It's not what's going to carry the day 10 years from now, mm. right? What's going to carry the day, you know, hard skills, anything that could be done 
you know, more than once will be replicated by, right. you know, AI and where technology is going. It's coming way faster than we realize. Mm. But what we're going to be managing is systems and people, right. not work, right? Mm. Not, not paperwork. And if you're managing systems and people, you're a project manager, you need to lean into your EQ, right? right? And the way we're raised, men aren't raised with an EQ. I certainly, no. <laughs> I, I had to teach myself an EQ, which is many of the things that we're speaking about. Yeah, it's kind of ingrained in, in like women as they're brought up, then they mm -hmm. naturally have a much higher EQ and that's what they bring to the, the workforce. So that, you know, there's more women graduating college there's more than men. There's, you know, a higher demand for those skills, I think, in the future. So it's going to be very interesting. And I think, you know, it's important for everybody to really lean into that, that those soft skills, that EQ versus that IQ type of uh, mindset and that hard skill mindset. Yeah, 100%. And I'm curious with the, say, the entrepreneurs that you work with, and specifically the male entrepreneurs, how have you been able to explain it and teach EQ in such a way where one, they start to see the value of it, and two, they start to actually implement it in their day-to-day -day lives and business. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't. <clears throat> I wouldn't necessarily. I'm an EQ instructor by any means. You know, mm -hmm. um, it's something that I feel that's important. When I see it's really missing, I'll actually send my clients to a program like Landmark or Tony Robbins or really to go to work on that so they could get awareness. But at the end of the day, for me, it's about creating awareness, making sure that we're getting the stuff that's in our mindset, whether it's limiting beliefs, um, anger issues, frustration issues, whatever that could be, out of their own way, right? Out of out of your own way um, right. is, is really what I'll work on, right? Um, unlike, I think, a lot of traditional coaches, um, you know, you listen to like Gary Vee or Tony Robbins, they're very um, mindset first, right? Believe it and it will come first, mm. uh, motivate you first approaches and i'm very much no let's figure out where we're going why are we right. you know where we're we going why we want to get there right how we're going to get there what's that strategy what are those tools and tactics what's those what are those tactics that we're going to use to get there and then oh we keep tripping up on our shoelace we can't tie our own shoelaces we keep tripping right. because we're a mindset and can't get our own way well yeah let's address that so we can start running here mm. I love that. I love that. And it's important. Like I, I view my work the same exact way. It's like one awareness is key for everything because you got to know exactly where it is that you want to go. And then you also got to know where you are now. And then based off of that, let's put together tools, strategies and implementation so that you can get from that one place to that next place. Right. But if there's no awareness on where you want to go, any road will get you there. Yeah. Or or not. Or not, right? You know, a few degrees off, like where in Miami, right? So, I mean, if you, we, we point east and we say, hey, we want to go to London, okay, great. But in reality, as we're like five degrees off, well, maybe we'll end up in Lisbon in Portugal, or maybe we'll end up on the coast of Africa, right? Right, and, but within you know, that... If we're, if we're, go ahead, yeah. Oh, no, well, I was going to say, but within that, and that's a great example, but even within that, you know where you are, you know where you're going, right? You're in Miami, you're, you're going to London, right? In right. this example that I'm trying to break up, it's like, you don't even know right. if you're in Miami. 
Right, exactly. Or if you don't yeah. know that you want to go to London, you know what I'm saying? You just take a step yeah. somewhere, then like, yeah, you're moving, but are you actually advancing to where it is that you want to go? Yeah, well, you know, in uh, <clears throat> wilderness survival, you know what the number one thing if you're lost in the wilderness to do is to get out? No, You know what's what that? you're supposed to do? Not move. Mm. People will find you. Not Bear grills your way out. But not move, not move, set up a camp, set up like a signal and people will find you. It, you know, if people know like that you're out in the wilderness, stuff like that. But that's what they like mm-hmm. really like hone in. You're not supposed that makes to move. Sense. That because makes if sense. you don't know, because you don't necessarily know where you are. You don't, if you're lost, right, you by, by definition don't know where you are. So don't move. Mm, that's powerful. Now, that's you, powerful. Yeah. Now, if you could orientate yourself and kind of get your bearings together and do a little like hour trip and like then get back on path and get unlost, that's different, right? But yeah, if you're really lost in the wilderness, you're supposed to stay put. Which is I love the most hard, this is the hardest thing to do. And the majority of people, even when they know it, don't do it. And that's how mm, people die. Right. And it, it's interesting because as you say that, a metaphor is coming up in my head and it's for the individual that is, say, lost in their business, right? Like say your ideal client, say they're lost in their business and they don't know where it is they want to go instead of just haphazardly putting in some type of action, doing some type of thing, like, hey, maybe it's pausing for a moment and maybe not necessarily waiting for the help to come, but putting up that smoke signal of like, hey, I need somebody like Rob to come in and and, and help me find where it is that I'm trying to go and help me get on that path and do it. Right. Well, yeah. And with that metaphor, by the way, if you people know where you are, they know you're lost in the wilderness, you missed your check and they're going to come find you. Right? But it is that you already put up that smoke signal, right? But with, you know, the example you gave, you know, it's shocking to me because I, I speak to so many entrepreneurs these days. And mm-hmm. the first question I ask is, what are your goals? Right. What percentage of people do you think, tell me a clear goal? Ooh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say 4%. Yeah, I usually say about 2%, but I think it's really anywhere from 2 to 8%. I don't actually have wow. an empirical number. Mm. But the vast, overwhelming majority, like, you know, two or three, four out of 100 will literally mm. tell me. Uh, like, yeah. not, not that an answer is good or bad, but have a clear answer. And I'm right. like, you know, and I'm talking to successful business owners, right? Even startup founders are like, oh, we want to sell to Amazon or Uber is going to buy us or we're going to go IPO. I'm like, okay, those are great goals. And some are actually, those are real goals, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we need to make sure they're realistic, but small business owners like, I just need to make as much money as I can and and to what end and how much, right? I was talking to actually a client. um, Actually, we we both know this individual, but I was Mm -hmm. talking to a, a client. I'm going, okay, you know, we're, you know, what's your goal? You know, he's like, well, I'm, you know, I'm 55. I, I want to retire at 60. I want to retire in the next nine to 10 years. I'm like, okay, great. And what do you want to do? He's like, I want to sell my company. I want to do something for my kid and, you know, have him take over and have my daughter, have, you know, be able to support her. And I'm like, great. How much do you want to sell for? He's like 5 million. I'm like, well, okay, great. Is that before or after, um, you know, is that before or after taxes? He's like, after i'm like okay great so that's really like more like maybe like let's assume a 40 percent tax so we're at like 8.5 or 9 million he's like, mm-hmm. okay great 
right? And then I'm like, all right, let's backtrack those numbers, right? Right. What do you have, right? Maybe it's like a four times multiple of what you're doing, right? So it's like, mm -hmm. it's, you need to get to 2 million a year, right? Mm -hmm. uh, backtrack that, you need to get to like mm, 120 to 150 a month in sales. Can you do that? Okay, great. How many offices do you need to do that? Okay, mm -hmm. great. When do you want to get there? Like, how do you want to get there? Okay, we could get halfway there by the end of the year. We need to, and so, you know, it's really just, once you define that goal, all of a sudden, it's just simple math by setting the interim goals, by setting the weekly goals, by setting the monthly goals. But right. until you have that, just to have growth, to have growth sake, it's, it's difficult. It's challenging because you're just kind of running around in the blind without a map. Right, right, right. And you make up a great point because you have to have that clear destination of where you want to be. And then, like you said, once you have that, right, or even when you think you have it, you as a coach, you're able to ask powerful and clarifying questions that actually help really shift that and puts it in a position to be broken down and be something that is manageable to do on a day-to-day -day and week-to-week -week basis now. Yep. I love that. And that's the same way that I approach a lot of my goals with um, my clients and their goals. It's the same exact thing, right? Whether you're looking to lose 30 pounds or you're looking to put 20 pounds of muscle on or you're looking to improve a specific relationship, it's like, all right, what exactly does that look like? You know, why is that important? And that's what I loved about the conversation you had with that client of yours is because it's so important to each individual to know what their chief aim is. And when I say chief aim, it's essentially what do you want your life to look like outside of just work, right? Like to me, work should be an ends to a means of living your dream life, living your best life. But if you don't know exactly what you want your life to look like, how you're spending your time, how much money you need, things of that nature, how could you ever build a business that's going to allow you to get to that point? Yeah, well, we work, we keep living to work versus working to live. Facts. You know, in Miami, I think we do it a little bit better. Sometimes some people do it a little too much more to the, the extreme. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> for sure. But, you, you know, I, I think it's, um, it's powerful when all of a sudden you really are, you know, working to support not a lifestyle, but a life of your dreams. Yes. Right. Miami, it's too much about a lifestyle, but mm. it's how do you engineer a dream life? What are your, you know, what is the life of your dreams? How do you engineer that? How do you have work support that? Right. I'm a big fan of uh, a Japanese concept called Ikigai. Right. And it's mm. true alignment through work and through life. And, you know, we, we, we're not on video today, but it's basically a Venn diagram describing four different quadrants of really mm. what gives you purpose, what do you love, what does the world need, right? And um, why am I blanking out on the fourth? I like have this picture. Let me pull it up. And my I'm like completely blanking out. I'm, okay. Yeah. So it's uh, what the world loves, what the world needs, what can be paid for. Yeah, we need to get paid for our work and what you're mm. good at, right? And if you intersect all four of those, you have true icky guy. And you know if you don't have all of those it's i always used to have before i discovered this i was like especially in my 20s i was like the grass is always greener on the other side there's something reaching <laughs> you know something better but when i have alignment especially you know, with what i'm good at what i could be paid for what the world needs and if i love it especially like that's why i love coaching because it's all four of those for me so 
even when I'm working, even when I'm doing something like this, you know, it's, it's fun, right? It, it, this is, you know, this is my work day, but this is just fun, right? right? This is me getting the message out, not the message of what I do, but sharing the love with people, right? So when you have alignment like that, it, it, it just everything propels everything else. And there's no moment that's draining, right? And you have this just huge life of abundance. Um, 100%. But to, but to circle back, it start the way you get there is you start by discovering yourself because if you don't really know who you are or really admit what you're good at or really admit what you love or really admit what the world needs, right? Because a lot of times yeah. before, I was really in denial, mm. right? Mm. And yeah, like I didn't admit to really what I love to do like I remember, <clears throat> so my career track is very different than most, right? I graduated school, started working in New York City, uh, actually Long Island City, living with my parents for four months, you know, trying to get all these jobs. You know, I had a degree in business management. I'm like, okay, what are we going to go manage? Okay, the only person going to offer me management. Wonderful. And then, but no, I, I, I kid, but um, my dad's like, oh, I could get you jobs at Viacom and, you know, for BT and, you know, Comedy Central, and I go and I interview, and I'm like, you know, oh, you'd be great at this. I'm like, okay, great. What's the pay? They're like $30,000 a year. I'm like, what the f am I supposed to do with $30,000? Right. Like, <laughs> I, like, what am I supposed to, like, okay, I'm great. I'm living at home. This, this is not, this does not work for me. <laughs> right. Um, you know, to start my career there. But it, long story short, so my, my family has a business, um, architectural glass and metal. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to train myself to groom myself to, to, to be in that business. And I know where business professors like, listen, don't learn business from your family. You'll just make the same mistakes there. So, you know, working in a, another construction distribution company, living at home, commuting at five in the morning, getting to work, it takes me 20, 20 minutes to get there. On a Friday, it takes me an hour and 45 minutes to get home because of traffic in New York, to mm. my parents' house, right? And I did not appreciate living with my parents. They're amazing humans. Mm. But, you know, being 23 years old, graduating, you know, that was not my ambition. I for resonate my life. deeply. <laughs> yeah, right? So, you know, I remember I'm talking to an ex girlfriend. We broke up in July. She moved to Hawaii, right? And who was getting her graduate degree out there. I'm like, well, I'm not following her. She's amazing, but no, not not going down that route. I'm like, well, where's my happy place? Vail, Colorado. I'll go there. I'll get a job to progress my career. And I did that. And I got a job in management, and then I started three other companies out there, um, and started living living my dream life and getting really getting trained. But you know, finding my path and kind of taking one step at another, and then realizing four years later, okay, great, I got to come back to New York and, and work for my family business because this is an opportunity I really can't, you know turned down but i started accumulating all this work experience and you know forcing this outcome of working for my family ended up being mm -hmm. like the worst year of my life nice. um and it was it was a disaster working for my family my dad was okay to work for my uncle was absolutely out of control like crazy <laughs> like unhinged human being nice. um and i don't mind i don't mind saying that because i think everybody who's ever met him understands that he's unhinged yeah, um yeah. <laughs> but so anyway, I had this really eclectic background, I, you know, but when I left <clears throat> that, I lost the thread for a second. I was like, why was I going with this? I'm like, oh yeah, there it is. Yeah. So I left in a huge argument with my uncle, like 
glass breaking, like shattering tables, like him losing his mind. And I was a collegiate wrestler. I mean, I know you're a D1 football player. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, you know, we both have that, like, switch. And I flipped it. But anyway, I'll share, spare everybody the details, right? Because I am an enlightening human these days. So, <laughs> but we, we left with some words being said. Let's put it that way. And I left mm -hmm. and never looked back. But over the, like, but I was like, oh, I'm going this track of, taking over my family business, right? And it's golden handcuffs and all this stuff mm. because it's a great opportunity, but it was misery in another sense. I'm like, what am I going to do? And I leaned into the fact that I am an entrepreneur. Right. And I had to admit to myself, I love being an entrepreneur. This is my career. And one of my family friends sat, sat me down and goes, what do you love to do? Or he goes, what, what industries do you love? And what, and what are your passions? And the intersection of that, I was like, well, I really like to drink. I, I drank way too much that year because, again, it was a miserable year. And, um, and you know, I love, uh, I love getting a VIG on everything. You know, Visa, MasterCard, have it, have it made. They get 1% of everything, right? And I'm like, okay, what else? And I'm like, oh, Seamless has that, Seamless Web, which is Grubhub, which, you know, um, the food delivery. I'm like, oh, they get 10, 20%. So I'm like, oh, alcohol, delivered. Let's do this. Yeah. And, um you know, so I started an app and we delivered alcohol in, you know, 30 minutes, 30 to 60 minutes and invented an industry, figured out how to do it legally. And you know, three and a half years later, we were able to sell it. Um, nice. But really leaning into that of what I was really good at and what I really loved and admitting that I was an entrepreneur because I was afraid to say that. Mm. Because back then it wasn't as, back then, um, <laughs> you know, this is like, tw this like tw 20, tw 2009, 2010. It wasn't as cool and sexy to be like an entrepreneur. Now it's like the coolest thing you could be, right? Right. But um, yeah, so just really admitting that and um, taking that leap and trusting myself. Yeah. I feel that. I feel, I mean, it's powerful. And I love how you were able to go through this entire transformation where it's like, first, it's like, <clears throat> all right, I'm here. I'm, I'm done with school. I'm living back with my parents. I'm ready to start my life. Oh, okay. Here are some opportunities that are being presented to me. Let me go check them out. Oh, wait, you pay how much? 30,000? Oh, no, nah, no, nah, that's not going to work for me. I'm not doing that. And then over time realizing, like, okay, where's the place that I love to be? It's like you knew the destination, right? You knew the physical location that you wanted to be because you enjoy that area. And you took action. You put yourself there. And then from that space, you started to develop more businesses you started to develop more skills and i loved how at the time you put together two of the things that you really loved right one was alcohol at the time and then also thinking okay how can i create a business that i can get a large percentage of this service that i'm providing and then before you know it it's like you built it up it was successful it was the first in its industry and then you decided to sell it and all of that was really allowed to happen because you embodied what it meant to be an entrepreneur and you started to get clear on who you are and how it is that you're meant to move through the world, which I think is important. I think that ties directly into the story of how you're talking about the first step is to discover yourself. And that's exactly what you did. Yeah. Yeah. And I did that, you know, I did that without any um, personal growth and development work, right. but it was a lot harder without it. I believe it. I believe you it. Know, and it was and a I'm, longer journey than it needed to be. 
Right, right, right. And that's what I think is so interesting about the type of work that we do. A lot of it is about really building the bridge to shorten the gap of how you get from, you know, your A to Z in life, right? Because yeah. for me and my health journey, how I think about health and the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual sense of it, it's like, yeah, there's so much that I kind of learned on my own, whereas I realized if I would have done it with the help of someone else's guidance, right, and like really invested in that personal work, uh, that one-on-one -on -one work, I would have gotten there a lot faster. Yeah. And because of that, that's the reason why I do the type of work that I do now, and I'm sure it's a big reason why you do the work you do now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the first person to come into my space of like personal growth and development, well, it was definitely Dale Carnegie's book, you know, How to Win Friends yeah. and Influence People. Mm -hmm. But there's, there's the, the OG, the Tony Robbins before Tony Robbins was a guy named Zig Ziglar. I don't know if bro, you ever love Zig. Ziglar. Come on, bro. That was my first guy. So, so, so Zig has this quote that was profound for me. No turtle ever got on top of a fence post all by his lonesome. I'm like, damn it, Zig. Because I all, I was like, I want to be on top. I'm that turtle. I want to be on top of that fence post. Why? Because I don't want to thank any one of you all for getting there. I want to do it all by myself. Mm. And you know what? This world is really hard. This world is not easy. And I will take any advantage, any help I could get. And I am not bashful about it. And please give me a hand, right? Because right. at the end of the day, why wouldn't you want some help, right? So then I look at coaching now, it's like, of course I have a coach. Of course I have a business coach. Of course I have a life coach. Of course right. I have somebody observing me from the outside because I can't coach myself. You know, my coaches will tell me stuff. I'm like, sir, why didn't I think of that? Oh, wait, <laughs> I know that I coach people on that, but I can't see it. Right, because we can't see it, we can't be the observer of our own lives, or we can, but it's extraordinarily difficult. You know, Absolutely. how the heck does you know Tiger Woods have a coach? He could just set up a camera and coach him damn his, his own self, right? right. He's golf, but he has a coach. He has a caddy. His caddy is his coach, right? Yep, one hundred percent. Jordan, you know LeBron. These guys have coaches. Why? 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 They have multiple coaches, right? Of course. And why? They're, they're at the top of their game. They're, they're way better than their coaches at the game. 100%. 100%. And it's such, it's such a great point, too, because I, I bring it back to a similar analogy, right? Like, we were both athletes coming up, and we knew how important it was for us to have coaches to help guide us and help improve. And it's the same thing in life. And I say to this day, right, coaches coach and players play, meaning no matter who I'm working with, if I'm the coach and they're the client, yeah, we're going to co-create all of these strategies, right, that are going to be best for them to practice. But at the end of the day, it's on them to perform during practice. It's on them to go out in life and play the game and actually make it happen. And really, when you go out in life, you do the thing and you get your results, right? That's the equivalent of watching film, right, in football. After every game, after every practice, we watch the film to see what went great, what went wrong, then ultimately what we can do to learn from both of those so that we can be more effective going forward. And it's the same thing with this type of coaching, right? Like you said, the best of the best no, it, have coaches. It's exactly it. You know, that, that, that's a great point with football. Everybody's like, well, why do you only play a football game once a week? You know, what, what the heck? And it's like, you know, 
besides the fact that it's like destroys your body and you know the thought yeah. of playing that many games and recovering that quickly it's a whole right. other thing actually it'd be interesting if people play it'd be interesting what the sport would be like if people played football full bore every day because okay. you know it'd be like it'd be the sport of like attrition or people wouldn't hit as hard or like the plays would be very different there's some food yeah. for thought right yeah, but it's like it'd have, it like, have to be flag football <laughs> That'd be flag football would be a lot more like rugby. The way people tackle yeah. is very different than rugby, right? Because you don't have the pads. Exactly. Right? But, you know, my, where I was going with it is you also can't fathom playing a football game more than once a week. I mean, there's short weeks, right, if you play, like, Sunday and then Thursday. Right. But, you know, Sunday's recovery. If you, you have your Friday, Saturday game, Sunday's recovery. Or, you know, the day after is recovery slash film day. And reinventing the strategy, looking at, you know, it's like, you know, remind me because it's been since high school, right? But day after mm -hmm. is recovery and strategy mm -hmm. and film, right? Looking at film, looking at mistakes, reinventing from the, improving on those mistakes. The next day is looking at the opposing team, right? Figuring out how you're going to develop a strategy for that opposing team, right? Tweaking right. the playbook and coming up with a custom playbook or adapting a playbook for that team because everybody's in different defensive coverages and have different offensive packages and how you're going to defend and, you know, right. uh, play against those. Right. And then it's like, you know, by, by Tuesday, Wednesday, you're back up to the full contact and you're bringing it up. By Thursday, you're like, you know, going full bore as, as if you're playing and Friday you're taking it back down and like going soft and like making sure everybody's mentally ready for the game. Right. But it's like, yeah. you go through this cycle of like, you go through this iteration of going full bore, taking a stop, reflecting, creating a new strategy, and then bringing it back up to go full bore again. Exactly. But you go through this cycle, but business owners and us in, in, in life, we don't necessarily stop and reflect and look at our strategy and look where we are and reflect mm -hmm. of who the opposing team is. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And you bring up such a great point, right? It's like you have this cycle of how you go about each and every game, right? On a week to week basis. And when I think about this in business, you bring up such a great point that most people aren't taking the time to actually reflect on the results that they're getting. And because of that, that's why I think it's so important to have a scoreboard, right? Having a way to track whatever the, you know, KPIs are, or whatever the major movers are in your business that allows you to understand if you are improving, getting closer to the goal or whether you're not. But if you're not keeping score, just like in sports, how are you going to ever know if you are winning or if you are winning because well, of what you did instead of just by chance? Well, let me riff on that. Right, because too many of us. What's the number one score that we keep, Alvy? Shit, probably revenue. Yeah, revenue. What do we make that mean? Right, sales is how much money's coming in. How, how much money coming in? So our self worth, our self worth is tied to the amount of money that we bring in. Who right. we are as a human is tied to the amount of money that we make. Mm. That is utter, 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 utter bullshit. Part it of the sure is. Edit that out. But no, like straight up, like we are not what we make, right? Mm -hmm. And so many entrepreneurs like live and die, and you should live and die by your numbers, by the way, but live and die of their self-worth by their numbers, mm. right? By the amount of money that they're taking home. Right. Right. I have another client that they literally don't know their numbers. 
Mm. And and they're just like, well, I take this month out every month. They don't know their numbers because they're afraid of their numbers because they're scared of what those numbers would reflect. And the way they defend themselves is by not knowing their numbers. Mm. But then I have another client who does extraordinarily well. And we're talking like, how do we get to multiple seven-figure businesses, right? right? And at the end of the day, I'm like, no, 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 no. We just spoke for an hour about how you're purpose-driven, about how you're looking you know, to make the difference for people. So don't go giving me all this that, you know, oh, in a capitalist society, how we measure ourselves is revenue. Mm. I'm like, you come back to me with KPI, key performance indicator, a goal that you're going to measure and two goals that you're going to measure how you measure your impact mm. with your clients. Yeah. Right. And she hasn't come back to me yet, but chances are it will be you know, how many people she can impact and the degree of change that she could impact those clients. Mm. Facts. And that, my friend, is profound on what she could do and so aligned with her icky guy. Mm, 100%. 100%. And what I love about what you said there, too, it reminds me of another Zig Ziglar quote of, you know, if you help enough people get what they want, right? You're essentially going to get everything that you want, right? So what's the impact that's being made? And how do we look at success as, well, here, let me, let me backtrack slightly. One of the biggest problems that I see, and I feel like you were speaking into this, is that success is typically based off of how much money someone's bringing home. Someone is successful based off of the material things that they have. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying any of that is bad, because I love material things, right? And when I say I love them, I like to enjoy them. They don't run my life, but I really like to enjoy them. But at the same time, I understand how I want other aspects outside of strictly my career and how much money I bring in to be at a high level, right? When I talk about my health, wellness, and well-being, when I talk about my relationships with my significant other, my friends, my family, when I'm talking about my leisure time, right? Having the time to go golf or to go to the beach or to go travel, right? My spiritual growth, my community work, all of that is all important to me. So I look at my definition of success, meaning that all of those different pillars of my life are getting the love, attention, and energy that they deserve as opposed to only looking at the dollar amount that's coming in. Because here's the thing. I've had many a clients that come to me that they're making plenty of money. They're successful in these you know, regular Western definitions that we typically find based off how much money they have, having the prestigious career title, you know, the white picket fence, the nice house, the nice car, all that stuff. Yet they still feel empty inside because they're not living to what they are starting to realize is a fulfilling life. And that's really the difference. Are you having fulfillment or are you only having success? Yeah, or they're living a life of their ego or identities or their identities creation, right? Mm -hmm. And the identity is created from your parents, your friends, everybody but you of what they think you should do. <laughs> right, 100%. Right, but, but that's exactly it. Nail on the head, my friend. Nice. I'm curious, how do you go about that with your clients in terms of understanding like, hey, are you doing or building what you're building because it's coming from you or it's coming from these outside expectations? Well, I mean, I could hear the disalignment a mile away. Is that right? 
like e- even the even the female client I was just referring to, right? When you know, because it, it, it's right there in language, right? It's like, oh, I'm doing this for the money. I'm like, no, you're not. You just spoke about a half an hour of like how you love making an impact in people, and you do your career has always been about making a difference for people. So don't give me this for the money stuff, mm-hmm. right? So it's right there, and, and, and you know, I'm I'm I'm, pre- I'm pretty straight. You know, how I am today is how I am with, <laughs> with my clients. Like it's like I call it as I see it, and it's like, okay, let's highlight this. And let's let's start working on this. Let's put some intention over here, and where there's intention, there's outcomes. So, absolutely, I mean, that, that's the long. I mean, that that's you know the generalist answer. But you know, everybody. I think one of my challenges is talking about what I do. Is <laughs> there, there's a there's a there's a profound difference in in my language for um, what is a coach and what is a trainer, right? Mm-hmm. So most people, I'll, I'll use like. I'll use Gary Vee or Tony Robbins as an example, right? Tony is a coach. Tony charges probably one or $2 million a year to be coached by him. He has 10 right. clients and he talks to you for like 15 minutes, like I think a day or a week or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's coaching you, but for the 20 million people that know Tony, not those 10, he is a trainer. He walks mm-hmm. you through a training program and trains you through a specific set of things that no matter where you are, he'll, he'll walk you through that. I am a coach for the time being, I might be a coach and a trainer, but I listen to where people are and no matter where they are and get them to where they want to be. And they want to go, not where they think they want to go, but to where their heart or where their, their gut knows they want to be. Right. And That's I listened to that and I got them there, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So there That's is no one fit all answer. Yeah. Right, right. And it, bro, it's such a great point because that's something that I always laugh at too when someone kind of asks me like, yes, yeah, so like, what do you do? And I know what they mean by that, but I'm at the point now where, you know, I kind of make, I'm a little facetious with it. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I do a lot of things. Like, like, what do you mean? And try to have them go deeper. And then eventually I'm just like, oh, like, you mean, how do I make money? You're right. Yeah. Is that what you're asking me? And yeah. then we'll go into that way. But I bring up that story just well, to say, like, you know, what I do is so much bigger than just my career, and which was kind yeah. of like the point you were bringing up earlier. Yeah. Well, bro, it was so funny, like sitting next to you at dinner. I was just like long table, 27 people. And like, you know, it's overwhelming in many sense. But you were, somebody was asking you what you do. And it was like, like, yeah, you do a lot. I'm like, what do you do now? Yeah. I'm like, I thought you did one thing, you're doing another thing. Like, I'm like, all right. Yeah, man. It's funny. And that's what, what I say and why I characterize myself as a dynamic man. You know what I mean? Because I do many things and there's a lot of different ways that I can do it when we talk about the process of it. But what it really just comes down to is I'm in the business of helping people be their best, feel their best, look their best. Like, yeah, that's well, really let, just let me- what it comes down to. Because you, you triggered me on something. Let me flip the script on you. I'm going to be the interviewer real quick. Talk to me about what it's like to be a dynamic duo. A dynamic duo? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because you, like you and your other are a dynamic duo. If I've ever seen you guys are a power uh, I appreciate couple. that. Uh, I appreciate that. No, Alejandra definitely is uh, a dynamic woman, and that does make us a dynamic duo. And what I think a dynamic duo is, it's, it's two people who are in a partnership, whether it's, you know, 
relationally or business like who really brings their full self to the table at all times. And what I mean by that is both of us are extremely intentional about what we do because we're extremely clear on where we want to be, both in terms of our relationship and our impact, and then also individually and in how we do our work and who we work with. And it's been really cool to see Alejandra grow and work her magic because when we first got together, entrepreneurship was not something that she thought she wanted to be doing. But as she was getting more clear in her career by doing certain things, reaching the top level of it, thinking that's what she wanted to do, and then getting to the top, be like, nah, this isn't it. And then being willing and courageous enough to go do the next thing. And I was so able how, to support her in that. So how do you two elevate each other? Absolutely. It's 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 interesting, right? Because we're both coaches, but we know not to necessarily coach each other without permission, <laughs> right? Like, like super fine line there. So a lot of it is really about giving each other space and then at the same time holding each other accountable to the things that we tell each other that we're going to be accountable to. So it, it's a dance, man. It's a dance. It's an art. And as you know, as a coach, it's like finding that balance between what it is that we want individually versus calling it out when the actions aren't in alignment to whatever it is that we said that we're going to do. So like we mm -hmm. both have our own coaches that we get coached by. And then we both check in with each other constantly on just really little things that make a big difference. Like, hey, like what's the most important thing you're doing today? Right. Mm -hmm. Giving us the yeah. opportunity to express it. Hey, what's your biggest goal for the week? Mm -hmm. Hey, what would yeah. it look like to have a successful week this week? And this way, yeah. we just know where each other are. And then if we notice that, you know, we're not doing one of those things, like we have the permission to check in with each other and be like, hey, how's that going? Yeah. And do you uh, do you guys inspire each other? Oh, for sure. We inspire each other a ton. And it's interesting, too, because a lot of the inspiration comes through just how we carry ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times mm -hmm. it's not even through words. It's just seeing mm -hmm. us do what mm -hmm. we do and mm -hmm. each of us mm -hmm. being able to see how we just tap into being ourselves and how we mm -hmm. interact with others around us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love yeah. that. I, I love appreciate that. that. I appreciate that. And I'm curious, like right now for you, when you look at, say, how you want to grow forward and things of that nature, do you look at like how you want things to look like for a partner for like business wise versus, you know, what she is doing or isn't doing or how it might yeah. impact you or not? So I, I say this, right? Cause I'm newly single for three months. The last three mm. months I've been, I've been single and I got out of a relationship um, and I was living with her and everything else. And we, we were, we were a dynamic too. We were, we were a powerful couple, but, um, and I, I don't regret moving on at, at any bit. But I think the biggest difference between being single for me and being in a relationship is energetically, when I'm single, all the energy that I put out there and, you know, whether it's towards courting women or being with women, it's, um, it's just put out there. It's gone, right? It's gone mm -hmm. to the ether versus when you have a partnership and a powerful partnership, a healthy partnership, right? Then all that energy that you put into your partner, it comes back 10x. Mm, right. So doing what I'm doing now, I love being single, right? There's something magical and special about it, right? And the amount of growth and expression that I have because of it is 
profound. But at mm. the same time, it can be exhausting because there's nobody getting my back. It's mm. just me. Now, I have an amazing friend group and building such an amazing friend group here. But um, and I have plenty of people to get my back. But that one person, that dynamic duo, that partnership, right? No person ever got on top of that fence post. All by, no turtle ever got on top of that fence post all by their lonesome. And having that right. partner to get you there is, is certainly powerful. 100%, 100%. And having that healthy, healthy relationship. Mm, I love that. How do you know when a relationship is healthy? How do you like to define it? <laughs> you tell me, brother. <laughs> hey. No, because it's such a funny question because it's like, man, I think like most things in life I make up, right? It's like we have to create our own definitions of it. And what I think is like, again, the awareness and the clarity, right? It's like, what's the chief aim, right? What are What are both parties in the relationship looking to achieve how do they want it to look and ultimately can we look at the thoughts words and actions that are consistently happening and seeing like okay that is an alignment with what we said our chief aim is and then if it's not it's either like okay hey how do we fix that or is it like hey do we fix that through changing what the yeah. chief well, aim is because maybe that's changing and by the way just to give you an observer what you just described is outstanding communication right clear concise authentic commu heartfelt communication like i think that's what you just described in my listening of you and i think mm -hmm. that is the key communication is is key without that nothing is possible with it with that everything is possible facts facts and i think that's in all aspects of relationship and all aspects of life right it's and you know, partnership but, but partnership yeah. in business partnership in romantic partner partner exactly right so i used to do uh a tremendous amount of acro acrobatics i started out with acro yoga became an acrobat right okay. had coaches that were in Cirque du Soleil, like crazy tricks if you, you check out my instant scroll all the way back you'll, you'll see some of the stuff i was up to um but with that, the amount of trust and communication and nonverbal communication mm. that you have to have, it really taught me something. And I, I actually remember this profoundly. I, I dated a girl and we started doing acroyoga together. We dated for eight months and she breaks up with, we break up, we, we broke up, right? And three days later, she calls me and she goes, I still want to do acrobatics with you. I go, of course you do. I've been teaching you. I'm building you up and da 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 And like, <laughs> Right. And, uh, you know, she rolls her eyes and was like, you know, whatever, Rob. And, uh, and anyway, we did, we kept, you know, three days later, met her out and it was Purim in Israel. So it's like Halloween on steroids for eight days. It's like exhausting, but amazing. So we're in the middle of all these people being dressed up, we're dressed up and I'm, you know, throwing her up in the air. She's doing a handstand on my hand, standing up. Right. And her brother is standing next to me, who's a cool guy and it was no big deal, but it was so nerve wracking. And then we're doing all these crazy moves that are tremendously difficult to take weeks or months to get that are dangerous and thrilling and all these things. And in that forge of communication and how do you communicate with an ex? How do you touch an ex? Right. And how do you communicate with her when you're frustrated, when you're both frustrated, things aren't going your well. And that created a real trust communication and into me you see intimacy between mm. the two of us and it was beautiful and amazing 
And, you know, people looked at us like a year and a half later and go, you guys are still dating, right? And we're like, we broke up a year and a half ago. What are you talking about? Because yeah. they, they never saw people with that type of communication because we could look at each other and know what each other was thinking. Right? Mm. And, but that type of partnership, right, whether it's romantic or not, that is powerful. And we could create any move together because, not because of our romantic history, but because of the romantic history of the forge that have brought us to in our, phys- in our like acrobatic partnership. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I think that also just taps into a, a whole nother level of maturity as well to be able to do that and to be able to keep that type of connection even when the romantic side might have finished. Yeah. You know, I don't get <clears throat> when people break up and they say, I never want to speak to you again. I mean, I get mm. it. Trust me, I've been there. <laughs> right? But um, in, in the sense that, you know, they, if, that, if you get to that, you've probably been in a relationship too long and you've wake, wake past crested everything, like mm. the peak of the relationship, and you probably should have ended up ended, ended it earlier. But once you get past the emotional the emotions of it you just had a best friend that you spent every moment together with and then you're going to tell them that you're not ever going to speak to them again and you're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. i think mm. it's such a travesty in our society that, that 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 happens right because there's so many amazing humans that we dedicated everything to and then we'll just be like no you know maybe we discovered who they really were and there's you know all sorts of exceptions to what i'm saying right right uh but i think you know i i I make a huge conscious effort to be like, no, I, I want these people in my life because they're, they're, they're amazing humans. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. That's so well said. And I think that speaks into a lot of the emotional intelligence that is missing today, where it just, it gets to a point in a relationship, say, where people just did not communicate well enough once it got to the very end that it just got so bad that like the bandaid was just ripped off. It just left this jarring, like hugely emotional feeling that didn't get worked through. And it just ends there. And, you know, for a lot of people, I think it's easier, not more effective, but easier to just say, hey, I'm just not going to talk to this person or look at this person ever again versus saying like, hey, like what was it about me that caused, you know, this falling apart? What was it about them that caused you know this falling apart and how do we look at that and work through it and have a clean break as opposed to breaking up with all of this animosity yeah well i mean how many i mean let's not talk about us for a second right how many people do we know that keep breaking up with a person and it's the exact same stuff that happened with the last one oh man yeah i don't have right? enough fingers and toes right to count. and it's like yeah. And it's like, hey, what's the one constant in this? And you tell them that, and they're like, oh, my God, never talking to Rob again. I'm like, yeah. oh, maybe, maybe I should have chose my words more carefully. I'm not the coach. That's hilarious. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, no, but in reality, the only constant is them. So going to work, or the only constant is me. Mm-hmm. Right? I'll talk about me. The only constant is me. So something keeps happening. Right? Right. How do I go to work on that, right? If something yeah. happens, how do I get complete with that? Mm, right. And, you know, to bring this back to business, 
you know, whether it's a romantic partnership, an acrobatic partnership, a business partnership, you are in a relationship, whether you are married or not, you are married to that person. Mm. Right? You are building a life, you are building a company, you're building in, in work in, 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 um, yeah, in work, you are building a partnership, you're building a child. If you're building a company, yeah. you're building a child with that partner. What? Who are you getting married to? You have investors. You're raising millions of dollars. You're marrying that person. You can't divorce them. Mm. Choosing them, not choosing them out of fear or desperation, or they're the first person who came. How many people, you know, how many times in our 20s, uh, well, I'll speak about me, how many times in my 20s that I chose my, my girlfriend, because this is a story that happened. I'm like, okay, I'm single. Okay, she's beautiful. Okay, she's cool. Okay, she likes me. Next thing I know, I wake up six months later, we're in a relationship. Yeah, she's okay. <laughs> I'm not happy, right? It's like I'm not happy. I'm gonna keep going because I'm I'm too big of a baby to break up with her. Mm. So I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this going until she breaks up with me. Mm. Yeah, I know that one. Right, and you know, in business, that just doesn't work, right? You kill the business. Right, right, and it just shows how important the communication is constantly, and also personal responsibility, being able to take ownership on anything that's going on within the business. It's like, okay, how did I contribute to this? What is my role in this? What can I do mm -hmm. better in this situation? Mm -hmm. And I think that's applicable to any aspect of life is always realizing that, hey, I am the number one common denominator in any and everything that I'm a part of. Yeah, that's uh, that's the book, Radical Ownership, right? Mm -hmm. by, written by, what, what's, that, what's that Navy SEAL's name? But oh, is, that, um, is it Jocko Willick? Is that his Jocko book? Willick? Yeah, Jocko. Yeah. yeah. So you know, one of the things he talks about in his book, if I, if I remember, you know, it's been a while since I read it, but you know, he talks about you know, in 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 the teams, in 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 SEAL teams, it's like, well, something happens. Doesn't even matter with your team. Doesn't even matter if you're present or not. Mm -hmm. You know, like, oh, you were off on doing another training cycle, and your team did this. It's your team, right? You know, mm -hmm. you're still responsible and taking that ownership no matter what and taking it, taking that hit no matter what, you know, that's ownership. It's your company. Right. Right. It's not like there's nothing to do except take take responsibility for it and sit, figure out what you could do. It's your relationship. It's your Absolutely. partnership. It's your life. If these things are effective, you, affecting you, what can you do mm. to be the owner of your life and not pass that blame? Mm, that's powerful. That's powerful. And for everyone that's listening, I want to invite you to take a moment and just look at the biggest challenge that you are facing right now and see where are you bringing the microscope? Are you trying to look at others and see what they did wrong? Or are you looking at yourself first and seeing how you contributed to this situation? And if you are willing to look through that lens, start to decide, hey, what can I change to get the result that I'm looking for? That's a, that's a great question. I'll, you know, take it even a step further to talk about business. It's like, is it, oh, we're doing everything right, but the competition is just too fierce. You know, marketing's just too hard. It's this just isn't going our way, mm. right? It's, it's, yep. It's, oh, you know, you know, there's oh, a million of these, right, that are saying it's something else out there, right? 
companies just are too, you know, they just not, you know, it's just something else. But it's like, no, what could you do today to make the difference for you? Has nothing to do with them or the competition or the market or anything else. So what are you going to do? Woof. Spin that fire, Rob. Ah! Come on. I love it. Rob. Well, you know, it's past noon now, so, you know. That coffee kicked in. So. Oh, you lit now! Look at that. I love that. I love that. We we know when you're when you're time blocking that. We know when your power zones are. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, well, we we, we got to end before one because then then I start get the two o'clock uh the two o'clock feeling. So. Uh... Oh, yeah. oh no, I feel that. I feel that. No, man, this has been absolutely an amazing conversation. I feel like I got to know you so much more and I'm super grateful that we've met and I'm really excited and honored to be building this friendship going forward because I definitely see you as, you know, a soul brother down here in Miami and and how we're building. So it's amazing. Rob, man, for everyone that is listening, where online can they find you and learn more about you and your work? Yeah. RobMatskin.com or coach Rob Matskin at Instagram. Right, as M A T Z K I N. So always, Perfect. by the way, always happy to have a conversation with anybody and everybody. Always happy to sit down with an hour and just try and make the difference for you. Mm, I love that. I love that. So for everyone listening, like definitely take the time to reach out to Rob and to to help him help you help yourself uh, in your journey wherever you are in your business and what you're doing because he can definitely do it. Yeah, and remember, my measure of success isn't financial. I'm not saying that, hey, come talk to me so I can sell you. Hey, come talk to me so I can help fulfill on my measure, which is making an impact for entrepreneurs, making an impact for others. Mm. I love that. I love that. Making an impact on others, man. That's what it's about. Yes, sir. Rob, appreciate you so much, my brother. I'm looking forward to doing this again in the near future. Crush your week. And for everyone listening, remember, you can too. Yes, sir.